Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart, and if you can, your Bibles, and receive this word from the Lord, recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse number 13. If you're there, please say, yes, sir. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you, that I may, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider this nation as your people. And he, God speaking, said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? Anybody just love that word grace? Amen. That I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate. Somebody shout separate. separate. See, that's not a shout where I come from. I said shout separate. separate. That's much better. Yeah, I hope we keep it at that level the rest of the sermon. Your people and I... From all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Let's read verse 16 again. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Father, help me to preach this word I pray today. I thank you that you've already anointed me, equipped me. I thank you that this word is already in my spirit and I will speak it clearly, accurately with boldness and an eloquence that only your Holy Spirit can give me. Thank you that your people are not just hearers, but also doers of the word. In Jesus' name, I declare we're not just hearers, but doers. And I thank you for your people to respond and receive this word today, oh God, that will change and transform our lives forever. And we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, if you, if you, if you believe that, shout amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 33, verse 1. I want you to turn there as I put a little bit of a foundation, a little bit of a background to what's going on here. God is having a conversation with Moses. And it's not a very pretty conversation. In fact, God is talking to Moses, his people, Israel. And he's talking about his people, Israel. And when you read verse 1, you will notice something very, very interesting. The same God who delivered them out of Egypt so he could take them. Say, take them. So he could take them into the promised land, now suddenly changes his tone, and this is what he says in verse number one. Verse number one, then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt. You see, God starts kind of disconnecting himself from the people all of a sudden. He says, now depart and go. My language, get up and get lost. Just get up and leave. The same God who brought them out of captivity, out of bondage, takes them out of slavery and says, come on, let's go to this place. Let's go to this land flowing with milk and honey. Let's go to this land where your dreams will come true. You boys have been slaves for so long. People have been oppressing you. Everybody's been beaten up on you. You've lived in bondage for too long. Come on with me. Let's go to this place with milk and honey. Every dream of yours is fulfilled. It's a land. The Lord says, I will give you houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. You've heard all that stuff before. God says, you don't have to labor. You don't have to struggle. When you go there, there's already people living there that have built homes. Except they didn't know they built it for you. Amen. 
You see, there's already things happening there. I've already prepared the way for you. Somebody else has already done the job. I just need you to buy faith, get there. And when you get there, it's all set. You don't have to labor. You don't have to go dig wells and you don't have to bring the water from the river all the way down. I will bring rain from heaven, God says. I will bring the grass out of the ground. I will bring fruit. You ain't got to do nothing. Come on, let's do it together. Let's go. And all of a sudden, Exodus chapter 33, God says, get up and depart. Get up and depart. Whoa, 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 whoa. God, get up and depart. Something happened between Exodus few chapters till 33. I'll tell you what happened. The people who were living in slavery for so long had so become accustomed to being told what to do. They were slaves. Say slaves. slaves. Now I know it's a sensitive topic or a word to use in America. I'm from India, so just say it. Say slaves. See, they were so used to being told what to do. The Egyptian master would beat them and, and whip them and tell them, you do this. And they were very good at doing that. The people whom God had brought into Egypt for Egypt to be a blessing to them have suddenly found themselves now in bondage. Egypt was supposed to be a place of blessing for them. Egypt was supposed to be a place where if Pharaoh and his people were so blessed, God blessed the Egyptians, not because God liked the Egyptians so much. God blessed the Egyptians because God loved Israel. God will, God will bless heathen people all over. Your business will get blessed just because you're working there. Amen. I'm really quiet in this Presbyterian church. God will bless everyone around you just so they can bless you. Your company will do well just because you are there. Say, I'm blessed. Somebody say, I got the covenant. I got the covenant. No, matter what, no matter what, no matter the recession, no matter the recession. I'm, blessed. I'm blessed. And God blesses Egypt so Egypt could bless Joseph and his family. Except they get stuck in the same place for way too long. They get stuck in the same season. When it was time for them to pack up and move to the promised land, they just stayed there because they liked it way too much. And before they knew it, that which was meant to be a blessing now becomes a bondage. And then all of a sudden, they start justifying bondage as normal. So when the, when the deliverer comes to deliver them and says, come on, let's go. They go, no, this is where God brought us. <laughs> There's nothing more dangerous than a religious spirit. I'll tell you what, we've been praying about, oh God, we bind religious spirit. Danny, remember when we went to that university and we first one week we go up there and we just pray, Lord, we rebuke religious spirits. All of a sudden, they throw me out of the school. <laughs> I wonder if we hit a nerve. And, and, and when, you know, we, 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 you know, we full gospel people are like, we bind religious spirits. And you wonder, what is a religious spirit? A religious spirit ain't too deep. It's simply people being stuck in something that God used to do. It's people getting stuck in something that God used to do. And here's the justification. Moses, God brought us here. You're telling me to get out of the place that God brought me from. How can I leave? God brought me here. Some of us are still stuck in seasons that God brought us to. You got saved a long, long time ago and you're still in the same place. And you're wondering, where's the deliverance? Where's the power? Where's the Holy Ghost? Listen to me, man. If you don't keep moving with where God is, what that which was meant to be a blessing will become a bondage. Not because God is cursing you, because you're too lazy to get your butt up and move with God. Amen. Somebody shout next level. In fact, shout, level up. Level up. It's, time to move on. it's time to move on. And the next thing you know, they're in bondage. And then the sad part comes, they start justifying the bondage. I guess God wants me to be sick. I guess God wants me to be a slave. I guess God wants me to be an oppression. I guess it's my cross to bear. 
I guess it's, it's the will of God that I carry this illness. Because I'm, I'm, I'm in the place where God brought me. And so whatever comes to me in the place that God brought me must be from God, right? <sighs> yeah, except you see how the church world starts building theologies around their circumstances because they haven't kept moving with where God is. So when somebody starts preaching the goodness of God, when somebody starts preaching grace and their sins are forgiven, they say it's a cult. <laughs> it's the devil. It's the dude who's telling people it's okay to sin. I never said that, but they still say that about me. You see, whenever a new revelation comes, there's always the old revelation ready to stone him. The John the Baptist will always question Jesus. <laughs> John the Baptist was great. And Jesus said of him, my God, he was the greatest of all the old covenant prophets. In fact, he was the greatest of them all. He was greater than Abraham. Oh, greater than Moses, greater than Adam. Can you imagine that? He was greater than all of them. And yet Jesus goes on to say, but even the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Amen. If I was John the Baptist, I'd be a little insulted. <laughs> he just didn't get the new revelation that God wanted to release. He just didn't understand. That's why he was wondering, why isn't my cousin preaching what I'm preaching? I am going on telling everybody, you sinner, you repent, you dirt, come and get baptized, you sinner. And Jesus goes and tells them sinners, no, 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 you're forgiven. You're forgiven. It's like, what is wrong with this Jesus dude? He was so different. Why? Whenever the new comes, the old, the old, and here's the funny thing about the old. It's not something bad. God was there, but he ain't there anymore. A religious spirit is getting stuck in the way of doing things that used to be. A religious spirit is being stuck in the same mentality, in the same way of doing things. Man, we've built denominations, we've built churches over religious spirits. Amen. Over something that happened a long time ago. We've built, established so many things. You know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is an old way of thinking. There's no special league of demons called strongholds. <laughs> Strongholds is a way of thinking that gets oppressive. Why? Because it's, it's standing in the way of the new thing that God is doing. And now all of a sudden, the people of Israel start justifying bondage. They start accepting it as normal. I guess this is just my cross to bear. Hello? Huh? Hello, I guess this is just my, this is just where God wants me. He just wants me to go through this. It's the thorn in the flesh. It's another message for another time. Go get a tape. It's over there. You know you got stuck in an old season when you start justifying bondage. You know you have got stuck in an old season when you start accepting things that God, Jesus, died for you to overcome. And you start accepting things as normal. You know we're stuck in an old season. And here they are so used to being told what to do. So used to being told what to do. So when God brings them out of, out of slavery, why did God bring them out of slavery? I was reading that verse today. I think it's in Exodus somewhere. It says, the Lord brought them out of Egypt so they may serve him. The word serve there is the same word used for the word worship. The Lord brought them out of Egypt so they may be intimate with him. So they can be one with him. In fact, in Exodus 19, we see God saying, Israel, you are unto me, my chosen generation, my royal priesthood. You are my people. It didn't come in, Second Timothy, in, in 1 Peter 2.9. God already said it once in Exodus. It says, he says, Israel, you are my kingdom of priests. Amen. And then Israel says, ah, we don't want all that intimacy stuff. We don't want all that deep stuff. Just tell us what to do because that's what we're used to. We left Egypt, but Egypt apparently didn't leave us. We came out of slavery, but our mindset never changed. 
We still want you to tell us what to do. And you think, man, how bad. You know, we grace people. We're like, you know, them wicked, just ignorant people. I mean, you, you go, you know, what's wrong with you, Israel? Here's the thing. They'd been doing this for 400 years. It's what their dad taught them. It's what their mom taught them. You do what the master says. You do what Pharaoh tells you to do. If he says go build that, you go build that. If he doesn't say anything, you sit down and don't do anything. You do what the master says. They were trained, born slaves. And they accepted slavery as their identity. And so when God comes in and says, I want you to be my people. I want you to be my people. They say, no, no, no. Just tell us what to do. God says, I don't want to tell you what to do. That's not how I operate. I don't want to give you rules. I don't want to give you regulations. I want you to be my people, called by my name. You are my people. I don't want you to do anything. Just be mine. Abraham didn't have to keep no rules. Boy, you know he didn't. But Abraham believed God. And it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Not because Abraham was a great guy or Abraham was perfect or Abraham kept all the rules. We know he didn't. Just because he believed God and God was saying, Israel, I want you to, can you feel the heart of God? Can you feel the breaking of God's heart? He says, Israel, come be my people. Don't do all that other stuff. You don't need rules. You just need me. Come, come, let's be friends. Let's be friends. No, tell us what to do. And God says, fine, let me give you 10 and see how you keep it. And all of a sudden, that which never judged them suddenly judges them. And people start dying all over the place. They were griping all the way from Egypt to Mount Sinai. And nobody died. They were griping and whining all the way down. Nobody dies. Nobody dies. Shouldn't they have died? I mean, yeah. But nobody dies. Why? Because they were still living by the grace and the mercy of God. They were judged not by a set of rules. They were judged by the nature of God. And the Lord is slow to anger. He's merciful and full of mercy, full of compassion. When you live by God's nature, dude, you're going to live a long time. But when you say, no, God, we don't want to do, we don't want all that intimacy, worship stuff. Just tell us what to do. All of a sudden, now you're not judged by God's mercy. You're judged by a set of rules. And based upon the rules, God says, you dead. And because people rejected God, I'm going to say something that's going to mess with you. I don't care what you've heard in all the other churches you bring in, dump it. I'm going to say something. Please, Holy Spirit, let these people love me when I'm done. The Ten Commandments stood before God as a rejection of intimacy with Him. The Ten Commandments always stood before God. What do you call something that you accept over intimacy with God? What do you call something else that you go to when, with, rather than accepting who God is? Am I not? Oh, we want it back in our schools and back in all that stuff. Listen to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 calls it this, the ministry of death. I don't know what our fetish is, is with death. Jesus said, I came to bring life and give it more. Come on, somebody talk to me right now. The law kills, but the spirit gives. And therefore God says, depart from me, depart and go. Just go. You just want to go to the promised land, right? You just want your dreams fulfilled, right? You just want all that big job and the big money and the big... You want all that good stuff. You want a good car. You just want that, right? Fine, I'll give it to you. Just go. 
just go. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 1, God says, depart and go. In fact, I will send an angel with you, and the angel will lead you into the promised land. The angel will take you into the thing you came out of bondage for. Let him take you. Let him take you in there. Most of us would be like, angel, come on, baby, let's go. <laughs> the only thing living under the law does is create slaves. Church, and right now, 2,000 years after Jesus died to redeem us, we are still living in bondage. We're still living in bondage because we're trying to keep a set of rules and laws when Jesus actually came to redeem us. Say redeem. redeem. Turn to Galatians real quickly. Would you with me, please? Turn to Galatians, if you would. Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. Are you there? In fact, go to verse 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born, what? Under the law. See, listen to me, people. Jesus was born under the law. You got to listen to me. Jesus was born under the law. So people go, what would Jesus do? Jesus would have kept the law. So you're thinking, ooh, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second, Zach, what are you saying, dude? Now I understand the heart of what those bands mean. What would, not what did. <laughs> the Bible says if you have to live by the law, you will be? Judged by the law. That's why those of us in Christ are redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus was born. People go, you know, what about what Jesus said? What about what Jesus said? Aren't we supposed to live by those? I'll tell you, listen to me. I, I know, I know for a fact y'all don't do what Jesus said. I'll tell you how I know. I still see your hands on your limbs. I still your eyeballs in there. Because if you were living by what Jesus said, you had to pluck them all out every time you looked at it, some hot babe walked down the street. So don't go judging me and go, what about, what about, what about? See, listen, Jesus was born under the law. He came not to do, do away with it. He came to fulfill it. Now keep reading with me. But on the fullness, verse 4 again. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Verse 5. To redeem. Somebody shout redeem. Those who are under the law that we, say we, might receive the adoption as sons. See, people, God does not want you to live in slavery. God does not even want you to have the mindset of a slave. It's the law that makes slaves. The Spirit makes sons. I hope you write that down. Amen. The law makes slaves. The Spirit makes sons. Amen. We're still begging and pleading with God. Oh, God, won't you? Oh, God, won't you heal us? Oh, God, won't you bless us? He's already blessed you with every heavenly blessing. Oh. Is anybody listening to me? A slave begs God for things. A son knows it's already his. Hello? Turn to Exodus chapter 33 back again. Exodus chapter 33. And so here's God having this discussion. God's having this discussion with, with Moses and, and Moses is, and God tells Moses, you know what, man, you guys don't want me? Fine, go without me. I'll send you an angel. I mean, I promise you most of Israel would have been really happy with that. Except Moses. Moses says, uh-uh, not happening. Uh-uh. 
not happening if your presence does not go with us. <laughs> if your presence does not go with us, don't lead us out of here, Lord. Lord, we don't care about the promised land. The promised land is wherever you are. <laughs> See, God, it isn't a location anymore. It's wherever you are. And if you, if you can be with me in the wilderness, this place is going to bloom and we're going to have church. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. It doesn't matter about a location. Is it? it isn't about getting there. It isn't about, it isn't about getting to that dream that you are. Listen to me. I know God wants to bless you. I know God wants to prosper you. And here's the funny thing. In grace, you can say no to the presence of God and still get there. But there's a remnant that God is raising in these last days that are saying, God, we don't want to get there to get it. We want to be right here and make it. We want the presence of God because where the presence of God is, there is fruitfulness. And in this wilderness, you will bloom trees. My goodness, you will start growing rivers in the wilderness. I will have streams in the desert. If your presence is with me, God, everything I need is going to be here. See, listen to me. He wasn't sacrificing. Oh God, I don't want the dream. I just want your presence. No, no, no. Mo was smart. Moses was like, God, you know what? I don't want to get all the way there. I can be happy right here. I just need your presence, God. Folks, I'm going to say this, and I mean this in all due respect. I don't mean to bash anybody when I say this. It really isn't about being purpose-driven. It probably is more about being presence-driven. I think God is looking for a church. And those of us that are now, God is bringing here to brazen grace, and you're visiting or hanging out. or Maybe the Holy Spirit's telling you to make this a part of what you do. This is our desire, that we would be a people that are so hungry for the presence of God. I don't care about the other stuff. This week, man, God dealt with me so strongly. Whew. Please help me say this without crying. God just sat there and said, Zach, what do you want? You want the crowd or do you want the cloud? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, your natural instinct would be, yeah, God, we want the people to come. Because if you know me and those who work with me know, I want it all the way. You know, all that in a bag of chips. But I had to sit down and say, God, you know what? Mm. I want the cloud, Lord. I want the cloud because if the cloud shows up here, they'll all come. <laughs> they'll all come to watch us soaking in the anointing. They will all come to watch us get healed. When they want to get healed, they'll come right here. When they want to get delivered, they'll come right here. When they want to have babies, they'll come right here because this place is fruitful. Why? Because the presence of God is in this place. I don't care about the rest of the stuff. Listen to me. I believe God is raising Brazen Grace Fellowship in San Antonio uniquely as a fellowship that couldn't care less about all the other stuff. We want the presence. We want the presence. Listen to me, man. I want them to say of us, this is a group that is hungry for God. This is a group that don't care what anybody thinks about how they worship. Let them sit there and mock. Let Judas sit on the side and go, my God, I wish we used that money to feed the poor. It's not because he cares about the poor. It's because he wants to steal the money. Let Martha stand on the side and just complain about how Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet. I would rather be the Mary that lays it all down extravagantly at the feet of Jesus and says, God, I don't care how much this is worth. I want to break it at your feet. It's worth one year's wages, but I want to release and break perfume so you can receive what I have to give you. I'm looking for a people, I believe God is, for people that are hungry, hungry for the presence of God. Yeah, man, all the other stuff will come. All that other stuff will come, but not because we're running after it, but because we're running after Him. There's something about seeking first the kingdom 
And all these things adding up, adding up. Oh God, how are we going to pay the bills? It's not your problem. When you start making paying the bills your problem, then you have become the God to your problem. So until you're ready to jump on a cross and kill yourself, huh? sit down and live in the fullness of the finished work of the cross. Moses says these words, Lord, how then shall it be known that your people and I, and Moses says, God, I don't care about going to the promised land. It, Moses wasn't all sad and brokenhearted. He had the presence of God, dude. He had the presence of God. My goodness. Can you imagine that? In Exodus 33, it says that Moses would go into the tabernacle of meetings and he would meet with God face to face. Woo! <laughs> He would look at God in the face. I, I know everybody told you Moses didn't see God's face. They didn't read the full Bible. He would meet God face to face as one would with a friend. <laughs> and God anoints him to write the first five books. He would stay in God's presence, dripping with God's glory. He would come outside and be shining with the brilliance of God's presence. Man, don't you want to do that? Don't you want to manifest God's glory? Don't you? It's one thing to know, I am the glory. I have it in me. Where is it? I don't see it. <laughs> it's time the body of Christ manifest what we are. Amen. We're walking around wearing a veil. We're walking around wearing the veil. Man, we got to rip that veil off. You know what the veil is in the, new, in the new covenant? The veil is the law. The veil is the law. It is impossible to manifest your true nature when you're walking and living under the law. It is impossible for you to be who God died for you to be if you're still going to live by the law. Christ came to redeem us, purchase us. Say redeem. redeem. Say redeem. redeem. Say it, I'm redeemed, redeemed. from the curse of the law. Of the law. I'm, not I'm not a slave. I'm a son. Moses says this way in closing, Lord, how then will it be known that your people and I are separate? I love that one. I love that one. How will it be known that your people and I are separate? The word separate is the same word in the Bible used for the word holy. I know all your life, mommy and daddy and Sunday school teacher taught you to be holy means to don't do bad things. It's rubbish. The word holy means to be set apart. It means to be unique. It means to be different. Holiness. I'll say it. Rabbi Zacharias said it this way. He says, holiness to man is the absence of something. Holiness to man is the absence of something. It's the day you didn't do anything bad. You think you're holy. Remember the days when we would worship leaders? Yeah, boys? Yeah? It's the day we didn't look at any, any junk and we didn't do any stupid thing. We're like, oh, I'm really holy today. Yeah? Because our holiness is dependent on what we do and what we don't do. Holiness to man is the absence of something. Watch this. But holiness to God is the presence of something. It's not what God does or doesn't do that makes him holy. It is who he is. You notice Jesus did not say, do ye holy as I do holy. <laughs> but that's what we've made it in the church world. When, when, when we hear that verse, we're like, oh God, okay, I got to stop doing this and I got to stop doing that. And I got to stop. I ain't got nothing to do with your stopping. You can stop it all and still be full of yourself. That's going to be the worst thing to get rid of. Trust me, I can get you delivered from all that other habits you're struggling with. The one thing is really hard to get yourself rid of is yourself. <laughs> so when Jesus said, be ye holy as I am holy, 
It wasn't about a doing or a don't doing. Excuse my language, please. It was about a state of being. Moses knew, God, what makes us holy, what makes us separate is not what we wear or what we don't wear. Please don't get mad at me when I'm preaching good. It's not the way you look or what you don't do. It's not whether you have makeup or don't have makeup. What makes you holy, what makes you separate is not what you do on the outside. It's who you carry on the inside. Moses was saying, God, don't take your presence away from us. Because the only thing that makes me holy is not what I do or don't do. It's who I have on the inside of me. As soon as you leave me, no longer am I holy, God. As soon as you leave me, I can't be holy. Listen to me. Jesus said it to you this way. I will never leave you I will never forsake you not for one moment is a believer in Christ not holy (laughs) oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness you know why because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you now it's not about what I do or don't do it's who I carry on the inside of me I know some people that don't do all the bad stuff you do but there's still God would look at that and he would puke at the self-righteousness the Bible says in the book of Isaiah all your righteousness is like filthy rags I don't mind gross y'all out today but the word filthy rags is a translation of a menstrual cloth that has just been used And God looks at your righteousness and says, that's how I think what your holiness is. On the day that you think you're really holy, oh, I read my Bible today. And I prayed in the morning. And I did this stuff and I went to bed. And before I slept, I said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die, no wonder people die. Before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You're cursing yourself. Go ahead. And you think you're really holy on that day because you prayed and you did it. On that day, the day that you think you did it all good and you're really good. Yeah, God. Woo, woo, yeah, this is who. Yeah, Lord. I didn't do anything this weekend, so I'm ready to preach and lead worship. God says, filthy rags. It's disgusting in my nose. The only thing that makes you worthy is when you stand covered in robes of righteousness under the blood of Jesus. And you say, God, there's nothing in me. There's nothing I can do. All I can do is stand here covered by your blood. It's your blood that makes me holy. It's your blood that makes me righteous. And here's the most beautiful thing. Whether you ask for it or not, when you are in Christ, the blood is always cleansing you. The blood is always washing you. If you are in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 1 John 1, 7. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, washes us from every sin. It's not because you do or don't do. It's because you position yourself in the light. Is anybody in this room in the light today? Is anybody Yourself. I'm in the light, dude. I don't know about you. I, if you don't feel like it, say, I'm in the light right now. Just say it. I'm in the I'm telling you, man, I would rather be in the light and let the blood of Jesus wash me than be outside the light and be dependent on my repentance and confession to be cleansed of sin. If your presence does not go with us, how will they know? They. Holiness was for them to know. It wasn't for you to know. You got to know you're already holy. You got to know you're already holy. But for them to know the thing that distinguishes us from all the other people on the face of the earth is not what you wear, don't wear, look, don't... Ah! It's who you carry on the inside of you. And when they come around you, they go, man, something's, something's with you. What is that stuff? Why do I like to be around you? When the presence of God is on you, people are attracted to you because the anointing draws. 
when the presence of God is on you. I want you to know, man, the presence of God. I want us to be a church that is running after his presence. I don't care about the other stuff. It'll all come. It'll all come. Here's the funny thing. When we run into his presence, healing is in there. When we run into his presence, it's fullness of joy fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore not only do you get joy when you run into the ple- into the presence you also get pleasures forevermore you know what pleasure means means it feels good <laughs> feels good <laughs> Woo! there is no place like the presence of god the word eden eden say eden, eden. the garden of eden the word eden the word eden itself means the presence did you know that you and I were created to live in his presence here's the funny thing man he's never leaving you he's never leaving you I don't care how much you mess up how much you sin I don't care what David said David didn't have a clue in the new covenant Jesus said I will never leave you never forsake you when you fall God isn't running away so you can clean up the act so he can come back to you no when you fall he runs towards you and says get up 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 Jesus is not waiting to push you away and look for a reason to beat you up when you are a son God is looking for an excuse to excuse you (laughs) when you're a slave you're always walking in fear of being rejected In his presence is fullness of joy. How then will it be known, Danikam, that your people and I are separate? I pray we cultivate a hunger for the presence of God in this church. I don't care about anything else, man. I don't care about anything else. I am looking for a generation that is full of extravagant worshipers. See, listen to me. The presence of God is not a reward for you coming to church. You see, in the old, you had to have two or three gather in his name for him to come. The good thing about the new, he was here before you showed up. He didn't need you to sing the first song and warm up for him. He was already here. Whether you feel him or not, he's already here. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's here to stay, y'all. He's here to stay. And here's the beautiful thing. Not only is he here to stay, but inside of you, he's going to birth the nature of Jesus when all of a sudden you're going to say, can't do that, baby. That's not a part of me. Can't do that anymore. Not because you worked hard and you tried to give it up and you struggled. Quit. For God's sake, quit. If we did if, if, if we did what y'all do to quit those bad habits as a business idea and it didn't work for 12 years, you'd have dumped it a long time ago. How come you're still trying to quit? It doesn't work. Why don't you just come to the presence of Jesus and let the presence of Jesus melt away. Melt away that stuff that you can't give up. Melt away those desires that you're trying to give up. Let the Holy Spirit melt away. Do you know that in grace you're not always supposed to be running away from sin? Run from sin, baby. Run from sin. You're always running from sin. My gosh, when are you going to stop and enjoy life? I thought about this the other day and the Holy Spirit revealed to me and said, it's under the law that you're running from sin. Under grace, sin shall not have dominion over you. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, so good. I, when I got that one, I jumped in my office and I ran around. Just I, whenever I get a revelation, I do. I get up and start running around in my office. The Lord wants to birth the nature of Jesus inside of you. So the next time that temptation that used to tempt you comes, you're like, ah, I have no desire for it anymore. 
I have no desire for it anymore. Why? Because sin doesn't dominate me. I dominate sin. And that can only happen when the presence of God, when the presence of God lives on the inside. He's already there. But if you don't let Him manifest, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. Hey, I didn't come to give you the presence today. I didn't come to release the presence upon you. I came to tell you He's already on the inside. Would you please let Him out? He's kind of getting tired of being stuck there and ignored on the inside of you. He kind of likes to be acknowledged. Would you let him out? Arise, O Lord. Arise, O Lord. Arise, O Lord. Arise, O Lord. God don't want you to just live by faith and think the presence of God. No, no, no. He wants you to tangibly feel his presence. God wants you to feel him. I don't come to preach about a dead God who's gone and now in heaven somewhere. I came to talk about a Holy Spirit who's living on the inside of you, who's real, who's tangible, who's touchable. Would you reach out right now and let Him just come forth in strength? Come on. Would you reach out right now and let Him just arise within you? Let Him arise within you. Enough of shoving Him down. Enough of ignoring Him. Enough of acting like He doesn't exist. Would you let Him rise up? Would you let Him rise up? Arise, oh God. Arise, oh God. And you're looking at me saying, but you don't know what I do, Pastor. You don't know all that bad stuff I do. Listen to me. It don't matter what you do. It's the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you that will now help you overcome that thing you're doing. No limits, God, in this church. We don't want to do church. We don't want no churchianity. I want that junk. We want the Holy Spirit live. And well, I don't want to go on a mission trip to teach my kids what the power of the Holy Ghost is like. I want it here in church every week, oh God. I want it here, oh God. I want the real, authentic power of God here. I want it here. And I want us to learn to be sensitive to Him. I want us to learn to be sensitive to Him. Some of us act and treat the Holy Spirit like taking your girlfriend or boyfriend on a date. You're checking out all everybody else on the table. Other than the very one who's before you, would you stop doing that today and just look at him? Acknowledge him. Worship him. Worship him. Why is worship so important? Because as we worship, he arises. I know we've got some extravagant worshipers in this church. And I don't want anybody to be like anybody else, but I want you to be the best expression you can be. If you can go to a ball game and scream and shout like a hooligan and come into the house of God and sit like the Statue of Liberty, something is seriously wrong. Anything else that you give preference to over God becomes an idol, y'all. Let Him arise right now. With every eye closed and every head bowed real quickly, you're sitting in this place and you're going, Preacher, I've, I feel like I've gone away from God. I feel like I, I don't have a relationship with, any, with Him anymore. I feel like I've messed up too much. Is it too late? Can I come back to him today? Man, I'm telling you, you didn't come here by accident. God brought you here. With every eye closed and every head bowed, please. Can I come back to God today? Yes, you can. You can come running to him. He's been waiting for you. He never turned away from you. He didn't run away from you. He's been waiting for you. If you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor Zach, I want to come to Jesus just as I am today. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. You don't have to clean up the act to come to him. You can come to him with your junk in the trunk. Come on, just bring it all to Jesus today.
You don't have to try to get rid of all those habits. You don't have to try to give up all those, those things. You just, just come to Him as you are. Bring it with you. In the old covenant, you had to clean up before you came to Him. In the new covenant, you come to Him with it and He cleans you up. Come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy in time of need. Hallelujah. If you're in this place and you just, you're like, man, I, I messed up way too much, Pastor. I just, I feel like I've gone away from God. I, I really want to come back. I feel God right now. I feel God's presence and I, I feel like God wants me to come back. I feel like God wants me. Hey, man, listen, sister, brother, this was just for you today. This was just for you today. So you can just say, I'm back. And here's the most beautiful thing. When you come to Jesus, it's like you never left. <laughs> he doesn't make you make up for it or Work your way back. Ah, it's like you never left. Or maybe you're here and you're, you don't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It would be my greatest privilege to lead you to Him in this place today. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you and you're saying, Preacher, I, I want to come to Jesus. Will He accept me? Can I come to Him? If that is you, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I need Jesus today. I want to come to Jesus as I am. Would you be bold enough to lift your hands? Ready? One, two, three. Do it now. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else, real quickly, you were like, man, I was a little shy and didn't get to lift my hands. Can I, can I lift my hands this time, preacher, please? One more chance. Sure, sure. Pray for me, pastor. I want to come to Jesus. I want to feel God's presence. I want to live in His presence. I don't want to live in guilt and shame. I want to live knowing I'm forgiven no matter what. If that is you at the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Do it now. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM PO Box 592675, San Antonio, Texas 78259. For more information on ZCIM, please visit us at zcim.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIM Official. God bless you.